welcome back again to uh, the Chipman Brothers Tangent, where, as promised, we've been doing this a lot more regularly. Um, yeah. As always, I'm Chris. I'm Bob. And we are the Chipman Brothers, and this is our uh, our tangent. Um, so, first and foremost, um, those of you, uh, this will probably be coming out a couple of days after this has happened, but if you are um, followers of us through our Libsyn download or... Um, any of the other places it ends up, uh, iTunes. Again, thank you for, for downloading them. And you'll have also seen um, the other podcast that I do uh, with my wife, Sarah. Um, the first four episodes, which were YouTube video only originally, are now available for download through that same um, Libsyn hub. So you'll probably see those show up. Don't freak out. That doesn't mean the tangent is going anywhere. It's just additional content that I'm creating all coming from the same place. Uh, they're named properly. Enjoy them, I hope, and um, there's more of those to come. Um, so Bob and I, again, as you probably know now, um, from the Boston area in Massachusetts, and uh, go Pats! Yeah! The This is the 21st of January 2018, and the Pats just beat... God, what is even happening anymore? They were playing Jacksonville, and um, the Eagles beat the Vikings, <laughs> and so... It's going to be the East Coast Super Bowl, Pats yeah. and Eagles. Did you watch it at home, Bob, or were you out at one of our um, fine, filthy establishments? Uh, you know, unfortunately, because I'm uh, getting over a bit of a cold and I kind of had a feeling they were going to win, I uh, only came in for the tail end, but that was a hell of a thing. It was awesome. It was a hell of a game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Always pulling it off. And that's about the most Bob and I can say about sports, um, as you, you've also probably learned. But we, we, we are fans and we enjoyed it. So go Pats. On to yeah. the Super Bowl. And, and did, did you see Bill Belichick, our emotionless coach, actually emoting? A, a little bit. A little bit. That was, that was kind of awesome. Belichick's not going to not going to emote until it's time for Brady to retire. No, dude, he was jumping up and down and high-fiving and smiling. It was weird. We, yeah, we, we thought his get, meds might have dropped or something. Yeah, he'll get there. He'll get there. It's pretty good. You ever see when, when they had uh, bet that on uh, that, what was it, Family Guy, when they had to make Bill Belichick laugh at something? No. To, uh, like, God assigned them an impossible task, and that was it. That's hilarious. Yeah. They, they, had, they had Dan Aykroyd come in to do the voice, which is Of Bill of Belichick? That's kind of genius. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you hear any coughing from me, by the way, folks, unfortunately, I am getting over a cold, so sorry about that. Oh, it's all good, Bob. I haven't heard any coughing from you yet. <coughs> so we're here for uh, we're, we're we're here to talk. Uh, what Chris? What would what would you like to talk about this week? I talk about things. I'm things, and I talk yeah. about them. Um, I've <laughs> I've um, let's see. Bob gave me a homework assignment because um, with my busy schedule, I'm unable to do all of the things I would like to do. And I have watched Dave Made a Maze, which yeah. I am so happy that I did. Bob, Bob, how did you originally come across this this movie that I can't believe I didn't make? Well, I saw I, I saw the trailer and uh, saw it going around and said, oh, I have to see that. And then I watched it and I said, oh, hey, wow, that was something. And then I said, oh, Chris needs to see this. Oh, OK. So that, that's how that happened. All right. It, um, yeah. for, for, for those of you listening that don't know what this is or haven't seen it, it stars Nick Thune which people younger than you and I might know more than you or I, but I remember he, he was doing the college circuit. He's a Comedy Central um, comedian. He was doing the college circuit about the time I was almost done with college, and he came yeah. around with Dave Chappelle as the opening mm -hmm. act, and I think it was he, he's a guitarist. He, he plays, like, folky guitar riffs and, and tells 
deadpan jokes. And I wasn't so sure how he would be as an actor, but he was hysterical in this. Um, mm. I think uh, the best way I could describe Dave made a maze is it's like if Michelle Gondry and Charlie Kaufman were like 13 year old stoner guys that made a hipster comedy because it, we do not endorse 13 year olds uh, getting stoned. <laughs> yes, we, we do not endorse that, but, but it has yeah. that mentality. It has that like, um, be kind, rewind, um, science of sleep. It has that kind of Michelle Gondry thing going on that the cobbled together by hand, um, look to all of it. And I, I found it amazing. It, again, it, it, it was pretty scary when it needed to be. The, um, their friend being made out of cardboard, the high five bit was, was actually yeah. really fucking creepy. Because um, it's what man does. High five. But, but, but the gist of this movie for people, I, I mean, the title says it all. Dave made a maze. Um, yeah. Dave's friends all come by to inspect the maze. And then Dave... Well, he, he... Or his, 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 his girlfriend his, calls them all over because she can't believe her idiot boyfriend did something so stupid. And, right, and what he what he's done is he's made a box fort in in their like studio apartment that takes up the whole living room. But the inside and, is is basically labyrinth. Yeah, he he claims that he's become lost in the box fort and that he can't come out. And uh, when they go in, it's like cavernous inside. It's amazing, and it's like taking on a life of its own, and it's it's building new pieces. Um, there's rooms that when they go into them, they become um, like uh, lunch bag, paper bag puppets of themselves. There's yeah. there's a minotaur because you know, as someone asks Dave, why a minotaur? Well, all labyrinths have a minotaur. <laughs> <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Um, but all still made of cardboard and craft supplies. Yes, and, and the movie it it has like a dream state like. Um, lucid dream kind of feel to it. Um, I love that they're being followed around by their friends who are independent filmmakers who are like yeah. everybody who has friends that are independent filmmakers. To, but like his boom guy and his cameraman are following him around everywhere. And when yeah. they make a comment about, well, if no one's going to talk, we'll just montage it. And then the movie becomes a montage. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I, I loved it. It, it. it was really well done. It's, it's a weird trip of a movie. Um, I think, I'm sure you can just buy it, but I found it on Amazon. Um, it doesn't seem yeah. to be available free to watch anywhere, but it's worth your five bucks. It's weird. It's a lot of fun. It's different than most of the things you'll find out there right now. Um, yeah. I dug the shit out of it. What about you? I thought I thought it was terrific. I like it has that that kind of weird sense of humor to itself, where part of the joke is that what's going on is really bizarre. And everyone is surprised, but they're not that surprised. Exactly. Yeah. When, when, when Dave explains why something is happening, they all just kind of go, oh, yeah, right. That, that makes, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, like they're, they're, they are surprised that he built the maze and that they're surprised that he got lost in it. And they're annoyed, uh, to, to have to be dealing with this, but they're not like, existentially annoyed you know they're they're treating the idea that their friend has constructed something like the gateway to fifth dimensional space out of ac more supplies in his house and needs to be rescued from these self-aware creatures now within as being about as unusual as he ran out of gas somewhere and they have to go pick him up yeah or or dave you know got drunk and um fell asleep in the neighbor's uh 
hallway, <laughs> you know, or something like right, that. Right, yeah. Just, it, well, at least he's not hanging dead in a closet somewhere, is what everyone answers when the girlfriend tells them Dave made a maze and he's lost. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, I, I, and it, they feel real. Like it feels like this is a real group of friends. You, you know what I mean? And th- that they've, it feels like you're being dropped in the middle of this. Like the what led up to Dave doing this? You just kind of have the quick opening credit thing of like showing her fly away on the business trip and him making this stuff. But you, you get a feeling like this isn't the first. It might not even be the first weird thing Dave's made that's come to life. Mm. <laughs> you know, and, and I, yeah, I liked almost in this world. Like that's not the weirdest thing about it. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, it it's it's just it's odd, and I I was amazed at how once I got into it at how not annoying it was because it should be. Yeah, well, because like I dearly love Wes Anderson, and I think you dearly love Wes Anderson as well. Oh, very much so. Uh, but the 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 career success of Wes Anderson has empowered. And, and of Michelle Gondry, to a certain extent, has empowered a lot of sort of smug, self-involved young white people. Uh, you know, like art school brats and uh, our aspiring art school brats to decide that they are capable of making um, movies that are just them and their friends standing around being glib about stuff with odd design choices. And a lot of them are annoying as hell and they're pretentious and head up their own ass and you just like if the the people the characters and the people in this movie are people that you know i uh, i i know a lot of people like this and they're nice to know but you don't necessarily want to spend a weekend with them yes exactly <laughs> and and uh so watch and but in this movie uh i did not uh have that same sense of growing Okay, but I kind of need to go home out of this, you know. Like, there's a, there, there, there. It, it's, it, it's a tolerable movie about somewhat intolerable people. Right. They actually grow more endearing as it goes along, instead of getting more intolerable. Yeah, you you get the sense that oh, okay, under underneath all of the 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 layers of hipster irony, there's there's human beings here. Which is uh, which is actually kind of unusual. Yeah, it's not usually the direction a movie like that goes. It usually gets worse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and Wes Anderson's the exception to the rule there. I mean, I I remember. Yeah, oh yeah. I remember you and I seeing the trailer for Moonrise Kingdom and going, "Oh no!" Like he's finally done it. He's drank his own Kool Aid. This is going to be the most Wes Anderson movie. Wes Anderson movie, and it's just going to fail under that weight. And instead, he surprised me. It it was it was a completely different thing than what the trailer was kind of selling me and I, and I dug the hell out of it. Um, yeah. Well, and, and well, and the thing is Anderson is, he's his own self critic. You know, I, I don't know how anyone can watch, uh, Rushmore, which I know was a while ago, but I don't know how anyone could see Rushmore and not understand that Wes Anderson knows what people of his ilk come off like and doesn't like it either. Right. I get that this is intolerable, but it doesn't change the fact that this is what I am. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like 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 Wes Anderson knows that there, but for the grace of God, he would be Max Fisher, and he understands oh that he, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, and and it's sort of an it's like uh, I know that the movie is sort of imperfect because Wes Anderson is unfortunately, you know, he can come right up to the to the borders of being super white, but he's still super white. So 
the, uh, the, 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 the Darjeeling Limited is kind of a problematic movie in some respects, but the minute the plot needs to make the turn of, you know, throwing the guys outside of the perfectly managed Wes Anderson dollhouse universe of the train and saying, hey, this is when reality kicks in, like, it works and it makes sense, you know, and all of his movies have that point where reality creeps in and it's the moment that makes or breaks the movie. Yeah. You know, like when the, you know, when, like when, of all things, when the pirates show up in the Life Aquatic, it's like, oh, believe it or not, in this universe, this counts as reality intruding on these people. <laughs> you know, or, or uh, you know, or, or when characters who, who you do not expect to die, die, and it's like, oh, oh, okay, this, this is something else is going on here. Yeah. And, uh, or what is it in, in Moonrise Kingdom? It's, it's when the arrow hits the dog, right? That's right. And then it's like, oh, oh, right. Yeah. This, we're not just fucking around this. There's something else going on here. Yeah. Wow. But I'm, I'm there for it. Yeah, I agree. And I, that's what I mean. I mean, these, these people obviously who made this movie are not as well seasoned as Anderson, but they're, they're, it's that same thing. It's like, we, we found a heart to this that's mm. universal and you don't have to you can know these people and not and either be really good friends with people like this or not really like people like this in the same vein because yeah. everyone has them in their group and the movie doesn't it doesn't pass judgment on nor does it expect you to get them it just kind of goes here's people and and you you dig them for that and they happen to be stuck in a labyrinth made out of um paper mache and cardboard yeah because, I, I agree you know, and and I, and I like how I'm still not sure if anyone actually died. Since, yeah, right. Since, since they uh... since they I I loved when the first character gets her head cut off, and they're all yeah. looking in horror, and the girlfriend turns to Dave and goes, "Is that my mother's pink yarn?" <laughs> yeah, because yeah, the blood cause, was cause yarn. Because there's, there's a gore effect, but instead of blood coming out of this human being, it's you know yarn and streamers and glitter. Oh, it's genius. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. It reminds me, I think that it works in sort of the same way that like the the better uh, in-house Adult Swim projects work where... Yeah, it very much got, felt like an Adult Swim project. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't have that sort of mean-spirited nihilistic edge to it that the Adult Swim stuff has where, you know, a, apart from the fact that they show them as surprises... Things like, and I was just on a panel at, about this over the weekend at, uh, at a convention, oh, which we can also talk hey, about. Hey, I was there. Yeah, we can talk about that. Yeah. Uh, but I uh, had an Adult Swim panel, and it was posited that a lot of the, what are now becoming known as the in-house live-action Adult Swim projects, like uh, the Terry Green Machine, Too Many Cooks, Unedited Footage of a Bear, things like that, are really horror films. They're, they're short horror films, and they're funny because they put them on TV labeled as infomercials at 4 a.m. and don't tell anyone. <laughs> so, so you're watching, you're like, oh, okay, it's an infomercial for an antidepressant. Oh, no. Oh, no, what's happening? What? What is... Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And you don't... Like, it, it's, it's meant to send you into some kind of panic attack if you don't know what this is and you happen upon it at 4 a.m. It's genius. Yeah, but, like, that's why... But the, the thing that I think kind of, like, keeps the Adult Swim stuff when it works. And I, I have my issues with the people running William Street, but the the reason that a lot of it works is because they have what we would call kind of a, a hipster, Brooklyn, Silver Lake sort of sense of humor, but they're based in Georgia. So, so, they, they, so, so they've got a little bit of connection 
to the culture uh, that they're making fun of. Yeah, well, to more or less to the to the real world. Yeah. You know, it's 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 like how uh, did, did you ever watch Eagleheart? Yes. The the Chris Elliott it's Chris Elliott's version of uh, Walker Texas Ranger. Yes. And it it's it's a relentless it it's it, it's Talladega Nights for syndicated TV that's only popular in red states. But it also kind of understands the 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 sort of quiet desperation that makes those things popular in those regions. Yeah, and, and is kind of broadly sympathetic to it. It's wild. I don't know. That's a, you know just just a bit of musing. But uh, yeah, Dave made a maze. I'm I'm all about it. Yeah, and me too. Yeah. I'm I'm so happy you told me to watch it. Um, it I I really yeah. really dug it. Uh. I, I do what I. I, I do what I can. You know, we mentioned, we were setting up for the show, uh, you know, of what, what do we talk about? Um, we had a, a the convention this past weekend, Aresia, a science fiction convention here at Boston, uh, where I was a panelist, and uh, Chris and uh, Sarah and uh, their uh, child uh, had their first uh, family convention experience. Chris, uh, how'd that first go First family you? and alone. I'd never been to oh, a convention yeah. at all. Um, it was great. Um, we, we had an absolutely great time. Um, the, the few things, you know, I obviously very geeky dude been a part of this culture don't know why i've never been to anything like this but it's not the first thing you think of when you think of this is going to be a big you know family weekend event you think you know okay it's going to be you know people like me running around playing board games and you know going to panels and stuff but i was really really impressed at how much of an open arms family event this really was they had daycare if you needed it they had all kinds of kids events we did this thing with, with our daughter that was, you know, more for us, it seemed, because she was a little young for it, but we cut teddy bears apart and resold them back together as monsters. I didn't mm-hmm. know that was something that would make me as happy as it did, <laughs> but it was awesome. Um, you know, all, all the people running around in costumes, it was in a very safe place, mm-hmm. um, you know, that they made that, that hotel on the seaport in Boston very safe. You could kind of go everywhere and you didn't feel like there was anywhere, um, you know, where you might get lost or might, you know, run in down the wrong hallway. I always felt that our daughter was safe. Um, I thought the gender neutral bathrooms were a super cool thing. Very progressive forward thinking, you know, as I would expect from this convention. All the panels were great. Our our friends, Tim and Corinne from uh, Cinemaspection um, did some panels, or at least Corinne did, and and Megan did some panels. Um, it, it was it was just great, Bob. Yeah. I, I mean, I know you've been doing this for a lot longer than me, but um, I I want to go back every year with my whole family, um, no matter how big it gets. And uh, I'd like to actually get involved and, and do some stuff. Um, I, I thought it was awesome. Cool, cool. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. And uh, for those of you that are local or love coming out to this stuff, I, I highly recommend it. Um, it's it's Aresia, right, Bob? That's how Aresia. That's how it's pronounced. Uh, Aresia, named for a uh, something from the uh, the the Lensman uh, books. I uh, uh, is it is my recollection, uh, and it's a spinoff of a different convention called uh, Boscone, which is uh, also around. And uh, it is a uh, big uh, big deal. I've been going for a couple years now. I've got uh, several friends that uh, go and uh, participate as well. I'm mostly on film and tv panels and such but yeah it's a good time it's a good uh, uh you know uh, it's what you want in a locally operated fan convention 
Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't overly crowded, um, but there was a lot of people there. They seemed to have it well laid yeah. out. I didn't feel like we had um, problems getting access to anything. Um, we actually we, we lost an earring. My wife lost an earring, and the hotel staff went on like a three day chase to find it and found it for us and got it back. So that's awesome. I mean, it's you know that's great. And everyone when we posted about it that was involved in the convention was very supportive and. Um, trying to help as well so uh you know it was just a great experience all around and um you know I'm, I'm glad we went for the two days we went instead of just one day um there was way too much to do and and it seems to be it's like a 24-hour thing right they seem to be playing movies all night and have galas and dr horrible sing-along blog and rocky horror i mean it it's sci-fi fantasy and horror is that the the whole rundown of kind of what they're what they're genreing in on uh, sci-fi, fantasy, horror, uh, the the general melange of that uh, TV, movies, music, yeah. uh, books is a very big presence. Books was Comics, a huge presence. A big anime contingent. Yeah. yeah, it was it was it was fantastic. I'm so happy I went, and um, I I hope to be part of the reason why it sticks around. Um, I I want to eat these things up now. I think it was great. Excellent. Um. So branching off from that, we get back into the. I've actually seen a movie. Bob hasn't. <laughs> yes, yes, he has. Um, yes, he has. And I don't know if any. Bob, have you seen the Lobster? Yeah, yeah, I have. All right, you did see the Lobster. So, um, for those of you that have seen the Lobster, and if you're interested in seeing, uh, I'm gonna butcher his name. Do you know how to pronounce the director's name? Uh, so Jorge Jorge Lathamos. Okay. So yeah, um, if if you like the Lobster, let let me say this. Um, the Lobster is a light-hearted comedic romp um, in, in comparison to The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Um, <laughs> I, I I saw it two days ago. I'm pretty sure I liked it. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if you're going to, Bob. And um, mm. my reasoning is I remember you and I had very different reactions to funny games. Yeah, yeah. I do not care for funny games. And, um, and, and I loved it, and I get why you didn't. And I'm not saying that it it's not similar in the, the the message of this movie isn't the same as Funny Games. It's just this movie, everything is very clinical, and it really mm. came off very weird. And the Lobster is kind of the same way. Everybody's talking as if as if they're um, almost in a dream state. Everything's very monotone, and I mean the main character is a heart surgeon. The opening shot of this movie is a live heart surgery. Hmm. And the camera's just on it. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that stuff just igs me out, and it, it just sets you up to be really igged out to start. But the the basic premise of this, without getting too far into it, is it's the old kind of like Greek myth or Bible allegory of the eye for an eye kind of thing, right? Like, you know, okay, you killed a family member of mine, so now your whole family dies, or you have to pick one of them to die. Is basically the the story going on in this movie. But the way it yeah. goes down is this young kid who the way the movie plays it off with Colin Farrell is Colin Farrell's a heart surgeon. He's killed by accident, it would seem, but he also had been drinking that day. So it could go either way of whether it was his fault or not. Um, this kid's father um, in heart surgery and the kid mm. has befriended Colin Farrell, like kind of following him around like a puppy. And the following around starts getting kind of creepy. But the way that they introduce it 
it almost seems like Colin Farrell may be in a relationship with this kid, so it comes off like really horrifying. But then the what's yeah. actually going on is even more horrifying when the kid finally mm-hmm. sits him down and says, so you understand that you killed my father, you know, and he's like, okay, we're having this conversation now. Oh, yeah, and by the way, each one of your families is gonna members is going to die until you choose one of them to die. It starts with paralysis and then the bleeding of the eyes. It's like this kid put like a, a gypsy curse on him. But yeah. everything's handled in that kind of monotone, clinical kind of way. So it all comes off of like, is he serious? And then when it turns out that he is, it makes it even stranger. It is a mm. disturbed, bleak little film. Um, just like The Lobster is. But I thought The Lobster found some some humor in it all. In like mm-hmm. its weird sci-fi premise. This movie just wants to make you uncomfortable. Like that's the um, incredible performances. We've got Colin Farrell, Nicole Kidman. I forget who plays the the evil little gypsy kid, um, but uh, he's awesome. I think he's in. He might be the kid in Ready Player One. I don't know. Yeah, very, it might very it might be the kid in Ready Player One. I I didn't do any background thinking before this, but. Uh, interestingly, Alicia Silverstone plays the kid's mom. Huh. That was unexpected. Nice. <laughs> and she's Alicia in... Silverstone is old enough to play someone's mom. Right? It's play wow. play like an 18-year-old kid's mom. Yeah. She she's incredibly creepy in it. Hmm. Um and I mean I I dug it. Um I wouldn't I would say I haven't seen Mother. I would imagine it's hmm. it's similarly as um uncomfortable as Mother. Um, d- d- different sort of thing. I can say that. Yeah, but um, but but I would say it's worth checking out, especially if you like weird, and especially if you liked the lobster, because it, it is in that same vein. Colin Farrell seems to be this guy's muse right now, and Farrell's turning out some of the best work of his career, um, in each of these. So that's what I got on that movie. Excellent, excellent. So a big recommendation for Killing of a Sacred Deer, and then there's Split. Oh, yes. So you finally saw Split. Which I told you I would watch, and I was right. Yeah. Yes, I was were. right. Sh- sh- do you think people have had enough time, or should I not say why I was right? If you haven't had the twist from Split gone yet, just skip ahead, uh, you know, a little bit in this uh, in, in this or whatnot. But really, by, by now, you should have seen this. You know, like, they're already talking about what the sequel is, and talking about what the sequel is kind of gives away the game. Like, the title gives away the game, I, so you, you might as well just go ahead. So I'm going to completely geek out. It. I, I got a sequel to Unbreakable, and I'm so fucking excited. And now there's going to be yeah. a real sequel to Unbreakable, and I'm even more excited. Okay, I got that yeah, out of my system. Great. I told you I was right. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, what, I, to be fair, think that was the thing? To, well, every time Shyamalan's made a movie, <laughs> I've, I've always gone, <laughs> when's he going to make a sequel to Unbreakable? And I saw this one, and I just kind of i pulled out my trump card on it and just kind of said this is going to be it look at it It, it's it's a creepy horror-ish kind of guy and the trailer doesn't seem to really be telling us what's going on so this is the one and i was actually right (laughs) nice um no i'm I'm so happy it number one i'm happy that it's a really good movie it is in its own right i know that it it, it's you know the using a multiple personality thing to to kind of using any sort of disability to be something that makes someone evil is, is a tough subject matter anyway. Um, yes. I, that does come off a little unnerving to me, not being um, as, you know, deep into that, even the understanding of how that stuff goes down. But 
um, I thought it was cool. It definitely handles it a lot better than um, that Edward Norton movie, Primal Fear. Oh, uh, yeah. It yeah. definitely... Just faking it? Yeah, it handles it yeah. a lot better than that. Um, yeah. uh, for sure. And McAvoy, I mean, the movie's well-written. It, it's definitely... You can tell, like you and I have talked about this before, Blumhouse knows what they're doing. And they, they have their directors that are good in their own right and don't need them to interfere. And then you have someone like Shyamalan, who obviously needed a handler. And you can tell someone in the editing room is going, okay, now you're going to go too far. Don't over-explain this. Rain it back. The movie was very lean. You know what I mean? They, they let the visuals tell you what's going on. There isn't a part where someone sits down and explains to you what the fuck's going on. You kind of just see it, you know? And, and I enjoyed that about it. And it was pretty, it was pretty nasty for a PG-13. I got to say, the, uh, the, when the beast shows up, the, the last personality there, that shit got kind of nasty. And, um, and it, it, it earned it. It was well done. Um, it was cool that it was so much different than the other people caught in a bait, trapped in a basement movie, um, the Cloverfield sequel. Um, I'm glad that they were so different from each other because that would have been worrisome, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, it's good. I can't wait to see Glass. I hope uh, nice. now that we've blown it, right? I mean, yeah, he's making a real honest-to-goodness sequel to, to Unbreakable. And uh, um, I hope it's good. I hope Bruce Willis isn't as checked out as he seems like he's been. Bruce Willis is still good when he shows up to work. It's just, you know, how often do people ask Bruce Willis to show up and work? 90% of the time, he is asked to show up and, and be do Bruce Willis. an impression of him. Yeah, not even be Bruce Willis. You know, like, Bruce Willis in real life is... You know, I don't necessarily know a lot of people who've worked with Bruce Willis who have a lot of nice things to say about what it's like to work with Bruce Willis. But, like, in reality, is is this kind of, you know, snarky, uh, kind of, a, you know, funny, weird guy. Uh, but he's pretty much in movies asked to show up and go, Hi, I'm Bruce Willis. My <laughs> voice is really low and I'm pissed off at you. Now I'm going to hold up a gun and then put it down. And if this movie's uh, not coming out anywhere but Russia, I'm not even getting out from behind this desk. But hi, I'm Bruce Willis. <laughs> which and seems, that's pretty much... Which seems yeah. to be the, the autopilot way that the Death Wish remake is being handled. Ah, uh, that thing. That yeah. Thing. Imagine, oh, yeah. like, right after Hostel came out and you had said, oh, um, Eli Roth is making Death Wish, and that might have almost been exciting. Yeah. <laughs> but then you hear Eli yeah. Roth is making Death Wish, and you watch the trailer and you go... So, so he made like a TV movie version of Death Wish. Why? Yeah, it, well, like I think the the good remake of Death Wish was Death Sentence. That movie's with, uh, incredible. Kevin Bacon a couple years ago. Uh, again, um, Blumhouse uh, alum um, James Wan, right? Yeah, uh, of, yeah. Of, that was of, his, of, his, his uh... of j- just to remind people of what? Well, let's let's get this right. Of Saw, The Conjuring. Yep. And Fast and the Furious. And Insidious. And Insidious. It's just kind of bonkers to me. Uh, it is. The guy, the guy I've, I've not disliked anything he's made directly. Even, no. even Dead Silence, as messy as it is, I still love the crap out of that movie. Yeah, I like that too. Um, so yeah, we're, Death Wish. Yikes. Yeah, yeah de- de- well. Death Sentence was awesome. <laughs> yeah, Death Sentence was great. Death Wish is not so great. It doesn't look great. I no. I, I, I got to say, it, it's a shame. Yeah, I should. It, I haven't seen it. It doesn't look great. I'm sure I'll see it when it comes out. It looks but, very uh, generic. It, I'm getting like a um, 
like a Mark Wahlberg, Max Payne vibe from it that I don't like. Yeah, I also don't know. It looks like they don't really get the point of the original Death Wish, and I don't. I feel like like you know like I I overuse this phrase, but you know, guys, read the room. This is not the moment for Death Wish. No, not at all. You know, this is this is not that. But uh, this isn't even the moment for like Kinjite, the Forbidden Subjects. I do not know what that is. Uh, it's uh, the, the another Charles Bronson movie from the eighties. It's the one when he's uh, like chase. He's uh, he's hunting pedophiles. Oh, yeah, it's that not sounds a great troublesome. Character. Yeah, it's really a, it's it's kind of, it's it's sort of a movie for people who think that uh, Law and Order Special Victims Unit is just too much of an SJW thing. Oh God. Yeah, it's it's pretty ugly. I'm going to avoid that movie. <laughs> well, it's from like nineteen. It's it's from like nineteen eighty nine. I think you're all right. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. So yeah, what else do I got? That that's about what I have. What do you got, sir? Uh, well, I'm trying to think of uh, what's been uh, going on uh, to to see recently. I saw Proud Mary, which is fine. Yeah, Proud Mary looked cool. I, I I think I saw you talking about it. It it's not necessarily the movie they advertised. Well, it's more of just a, a normal Boston gangster movie that kind of stars a middle-aged black woman as the the hitman hero, which is which is cool. But like they they sold the trailers like they'd made this kind of like neo grindhousey black exploitation thing. It's not really that, but it's it's fine. It's cool. decent. You know, I think that I think what what seemed to look like happened with it is they saw they had something that might be a uh, a movie that would do a little bit of money and then be good on cable for a while. And then decided, oh hey, Taraji P. Henson is big. We should try to hype this up as a really big action thing. And then the test screenings didn't quite go that direction because it's not what they hyped, and then went another way. So, you know, it's uh, I don't think they should have buried the release like they did. I mean, they didn't show it to critics, which is bizarre. It's a perfectly serviceable movie, but uh, you know, it's fine. And I think if it had gone through its natural lifespan of coming out doing sort of good, and uh, then quietly. Uh, you know, heading off to cable would probably have had a better reputation than it's getting as this thing that was over-promoted and then got buried. Hmm. Which, so, that's unfortunate. Uh, I also saw... Oh, I saw 12 Strong. Oh, boy. Oh, the uh, the Horse Soldiers movie. Yeah. The the trailers you, for that look, looked worrisome. You need to take this piece with you, man. It's from the Towers. Yeah, it just... It... Which, I'm, like, I'm sure that happened. Like, like I'll take their word for it that that's a thing that happened, but it's, again, read the room. I, I don't know that a, hey, you know, an immediate ground war in Afghanistan with no exit strategy is a wonderful idea and super heroic is the movie for... You know what I mean? It just seems like something... You know, you were talking about Chuck Norris before. It, yeah. It just seems like, make this be an episode of something. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, like it you know, plays better as TV. You know what I mean? Yeah, to me? this is. I mean, I would. I would like to watch a documentary about this mission more so than this movie, because the movie isn't that interesting, and we kind of know where the war goes and stuff. You know, like we we know that uh, you know Al Qaeda just turns into a different thing, and uh, Bin Laden gets got on unrelated stuff later on in Zero Dark Thirty. Good movie. Yeah, again, we we could use more Zero Dark Thirties, um, yeah, that more clinical documentary style, even. Well, the thing and the thing with this one is, it's not like serious enough to be good, and it's not stupid enough to be fun. 
Mm. You know, like, it's it, it's sort of wedged uncomfortably between behind enemy lines and Black Hawk Down. Uh-oh. You know, so, like, uh, it's it wants to be Black Hawk Down, but it's really only got the components for behind enemy lines. Ugh. So it's it's not great. Behind enemy lines is weird. People are... If you showed that to people now, they would not believe that there was, like, you know, a month after 9-11, there was a... Basically, a straight, non-comedic, over-the-top Jerry Bruckheimer action movie about fighting terrorists, and I think they're in Kosovo. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that was how it went down. Yeah, with Owen Wilson. Yeah, it's a weird movie. It, it was like like every every guy who's like funny but also sort of like passably handsome gets their one attempt to see if they can also be Tom Cruise and and do an action picture. And this was Owen Wilson's, you know, and it's not like he's not a funny action hero. It's not like some, oh, it's Owen Wilson, so he's completely unequipped for battle. No, he's a soldier and he's got guns and he's running through traps and dodging landmines and blowing, you know, Russians' heads off with a shotgun. And it's it's the, he's so hilariously unequipped for this that it, it's it's almost endearing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, not not a great film. But be, I think they made, like, four sequels to that, but, like, with different people on they video. They did. I think I think Kutcher might have ended up in one of them, if I'm not mistaken. Ashton Kutcher? I think so. I I, yeah, well. I remember. all the, Or was he in that one with Tommy Lee Jones? Yeah, I, I thought I, Kutcher I like was in he... some crappy war movie. Oh, I... now, now, I have to, now I have to look this up. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. What? Was was he was he really? Or, or did they this? go really weird and just cast French Stewart? <laughs> French Stewart has written three, a combination between three and five, and he's wagered. No, no, he's Texas no, he's, with he's, a money he's, sign next to it. There, no, sorry. no, Kutch, Kutcher was in the Guardian. He was in the Coast Guard movie with uh, Tommy Lee Jones. There, I, I see, see, yeah, yeah. That that was not good. Yikes! That was not good at all. Oh, and it wasn't with Tommy Lee Jones, it was with Costner. Oh, even worse. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that was bad. That was really bad. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's that's, it's all coming like, back that, to me. Because that, that's the one where he's like a cocky guy and Costner's like the old veteran, like, Coast Guard guy. Yeah. And, and like, at the end, like, Costner saves him and, and dies. Like, you know, the, the, to complete the mission, Costner drowns. Yep. And then there's like a post-credits thing that implies that Costner is now a ghost in the ocean that like saves people. Oh, it's so bad. It's awful. It's so the bad. The sailors tell a legend of an old man in the sea that saves those in need. They call him the Guardian. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh my god. That movie's from 2006. I guarantee you we're the first people to talk about that movie since, like, 2009. See, and this is the service we provide, Internet. We just in, made you indeed. think about The Guardian. Eh? Well, also, we're, we're, well, we're in that weird space now where there's not a lot of big things happening. You know, the awards season stuff is only just heating up. The Oscar nominations aren't coming for another couple of days. And they'll be disappointing. Uh, well, we don't know that for sure. Uh, you know, it's... You gotta see if things get nominated or whatnot. You know, it's... It's looking like The Shape of Water might have an actual opportunity to to win Best Picture. It's winning a lot of other things. It's winning. It I think must it got a set. 
it got a SAG award tonight. It got Producers Guild. It got uh, a lot of things. Uh, but the other thing that seems to be building, like the the acting momentum, is three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which is I I thought was okay when I saw it, and I've liked it less and less ever since. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I remember being really excited for it because I I really like the other movies that guy made. Was Martin McDonough? Yeah. Is that his name? Yes, it is. Yeah. I mean, In Bruges is one of my favorite, favorite movies. I love yeah, In Bruges. Yeah, Bruges is great. And I as I saw the trailers of it kind of before the world kind of went the way it's gone in the last, I guess, year as of yesterday. Um, and uh, um, it just seems more and more troublesome to me. And it's funny. I know a lot of people that have seen it, um, and some people really still love it. And some people were just completely just it, it was kind of what you said you know after thinking about it a bit it's like wait this just isn't right <laughs> like there's <laughs> something about the, the the message just isn't quite right <laughs> and it's just yeah. all a bit off it's unfortunate mm. um but yeah i mean yeah, um, acting awards as it is it probably deserves them i i just i haven't seen it <laughs> yeah the, the the thing is it, it it's i mean you've seen like the 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 premise for the movie yeah right it, that this this is like, Frances McDormand is, you know, this tough, vulgar, angry lady who uh, she rents out a bunch of billboards in her Nowheresville small town to uh, mock the police for failing to to try to shame the police through mockery into, uh, you know, solving the unsolved murder of her daughter. And uh, that through line of it is really good, but it's one of those things that wants to take this and extrapolate it out into a movie about that's about every every issue in america so you know even though she she's this sort of you know angry rural person with a very specific grudge there's also like sam rockwell is a racist police officer uh who um is like he he's suspected of beating up like black people just because and he's obviously an idiot and a dork who should in no way be a police officer and it kind of sets him up as a villain but also sort of positions him as someone who can maybe get a redemption arc and it, it it's just kind of it's it's preachy and it's also it, it preaches and also panders you know oh. it like it wants to be it wants to be like really really woke but it also wants to still be very appealing as like an episode of roseanne that's unfortunate yeah it's it's in fact, that's exactly what it's like. It's remember the the last season of Roseanne, not the fantasy episodes, like when they did the under siege joke, but like the uh, the the ones where suddenly it would get super political, and Roseanne would still be Roseanne, and it would still be, hey, you know, I'm I'm angry, vulgar, telling it like it is, you know, rural American uh, poor person, but uh, now I care very deeply about uh, police violence or whatnot, and I'm gonna go off on extended preachy rants about. Uh, you know, very good progressive social causes, but in that sort of format and still somehow bring it back around to being all about rural white people. Yeah. You're like, you're like Frances McDormand is very, very angry about police racism. And that is very important because police racism makes it, re makes rural white people feel bad about themselves. Yeah. And it's kind of, you know, movie, it, it's, 
like, she's really good, she's gonna win, and that's fine. Sam Rockwell's very good, and, you know, he's finally very good in an Oscar-ish movie, so... Yeah, can, I, you know... I find myself um, pulling for Sam Rockwell no matter what he does, because... <laughs> well, Sam Rockwell should have, like, seven Oscars by now, but he's always really good in movies people don't see, or genre movies. Galaxy Quest. Yeah, right. Um, no, The he, Way, no. Way Back. He's, he's one of, I yeah, feel, he's one of I our f- best actors. I feel a ton of the cast of The Way, Way Back deserved Oscars. Yeah, and I know that's yeah, that kind of that like, you know, that's like that year's Little Miss Sunshine or whatever. And I know that people, you know, get down sometimes on those, you know, the, the kind of setup for that kind of thing. But man, was that movie a freaking home run. <clears throat> um, mm. Steve Carell deserved a freaking Oscar for that movie. Every, everyone's great in that. Yeah, that people need to stop uh, holding uh, like Dan in real life against Steve Carell. <laughs> you like I I know I know Steve Carell has made an awful lot of you know super white independent movies that are basically like dramedy sitcom pilots, but he does a good job. He he really you does. Know, like like Dan in real life is a dorky movie, but he is good, and and there's no one else that can really do steve carell no it it wasn't it wasn't a uh, mistake that he ended up being so good at what he does and the guy's got range and Mm -hmm. um i mean he plays such an asshole in that movie but he's an asshole that you get you know what i mean and it's just weird and you know the whole local thing of you know the the parents vacation to go drink and you know fool around and be promiscuous in the cape and like you know, that would be awesome. Wouldn't it be great for a kid and having all the kids that you find just be miserable? And then you have yeah. Rockwell basically being, you can tell he was one of those kids that never got out. And so he's right. like the big, he, he's like the big man on campus, but his role is, it's it's very similar to Adventureland. It just doesn't have the yeah. dark, okay. it doesn't have the dark edge that Adventureland had. Mm, okay, yeah. You, you've seen that, right? That, that yeah, was, yeah, oh yeah. That was the first time I really looked at Ryan Reynolds and went, oh, fuck. Like, Ryan Reynolds delivers a award-worthy performance in Adventureland. I really wish that hadn't failed as miserably as it did. You know? You still there? Yeah, I'm here. Adventureland, because... Yeah, no, Adventureland was I mean, when when you follow up Superbad, Superbad, which, again, is way better... Then Superbad's reputation lets on. You know, it, it, it. You go back and watch that movie, and you go, "Oh no, this actually had something to say." You know, it's not just the teen drinking, doing stupid thing comedy. There's there's some good writing to it. Then that guy follows it up with Adventureland, which is basically a really dark drama that happens to also be funny. It's much more of a, um, it's much more adult than Superbad was, and and I just loved it and. I unfortunately got to watch it at college where, you know, they figured this is the follow up to Superbad. We'll bring it around and show it to a college campus. And it it did not resonate with the crowd at all. And I was sitting mm. there loving it. Um, yeah. But yeah. So we got oh, to we got to Jesus. We got to Adventureland from three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, it makes sense. Uh, kind of. Um, and so yeah. and so that I am psyched for the shape of water. I hope. I hope Guillermo del Toro gets a whole bunch of Oscars so then he can make a whole bunch of movies. 
I'm I'm still rooting for Get Out, but uh, if it has to be something else, uh, oh, you know, I, Shape of Water. Would I be don't think one. Shape of Water should get Best Picture, but I think they'll. I think the movie should get a bunch of Oscars. Um, I think Get 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 Out needs Best Picture. I um, it's just a fucking powerhouse. It is. Cool. I I think I, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I, I know we talked about that last time. Um, right. So, shit. Have I seen or done anything else? Ooh, I'm. <laughs> how far are you in Mario Odyssey? Uh, I have not been able to jump back in for about uh, two weeks now. So, so how far I'm, were I'm you? Still, I'm still running around in New Donk City. I'm in no hurry to leave New Donk Dude, City. Dude, I am fighting a dragon right now. <laughs> like, I'm not talking like a goofy Mario dragon. I'm talking like a scary dragon slayer, like, dragon. Nice. It The game is a. Ama- we don't usually talk about games. Guys, please, just buy a Switch. Ooh, speaking <laughs> of that, Labo. Yes, Nintendo Labo. Who's excited about Labo? Is it just me oh. because I'm a big kid? Is is that what it is? Oh, Labo looks great. No, it Labo it doesn't look great. great. It looks life changing. This it is does. why I am here. <laughs> um, uh, I for for this is actually a new topic. This was this is only a few days old, right? Yeah, yeah. This was Nintendo said they had a a big surprise of a new. Uh, like a, a a toy to use with the uh, the switch, and it is this uh, building toy where you you take print at printed out cardboard sheets, and you you punch the shapes out of them, and fold them into, you know, like toys and cars and pianos and fishing rods, and then they've got little stickers on them that the camera on the switch joysticks can read. And turns them into makes them do stuff. It's right? just it's just genius. I yeah. <laughs> I gotta say, you you and I. I mean, we're we're Nintendo kids. I I veered off into the PlayStation realm before it was a popular thing between you and I to do. Um, but they're the company you always want to pull for. They were the original innovator. You know what I mean? Yeah. None of this stuff would be here without them, uh, the Ataris, and the other peoples of the world. And so, I loved the Wii U. And the Wii U didn't do well, but I I thought it was a good piece of gear. But the Switch, the Switch's gimmick just works. Like you, you yes. I got a Switch for Christmas. You were awesome enough, along with um, my our, my sister and uh, brother and future brother in law, um, to to get me one. And ever since I put my hands on it, I just fell in love. It brought that joy, that that joy that you know the Wii gave you the first time you played it. You know, there's just something about it, how it works. To see them Absolutely. come out with this. I find myself, you, I watching that commercial. I just thought they've done it. Like if this takes off, Nintendo has friggin' innovated again. Yeah. I mean, no one is doing this. It, they they're turning this. It, it's kind of like what Lego did with the Mindstorms. They're taking this this piece of gear and they're they're finding yet another way to make it make it personal, make it yours. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's no longer this is no longer the system that everyone else has and the game everyone else has. This is your thing. And then I put on my adult hat and thought of it, you know, if if I was running Nintendo, how brilliant is this? We make a game that interacts with this. We already built the hardware. Like the difficult yeah. part of of Labo is they've already designed it, right? They're just utilizing their existing gear. So it's kind of like the video rental industry, right? It's just printing money off of a sale you already made. Um but they can charge $10 more than it would be to buy a regular game, so it's not a crazy upcharge. But that's $10 extra to sell someone cardboard. 
and then parents don't have a whole bunch of junk lying around because the cardboard can be freaking recycled. It's genius. Yeah. It is absolutely genius. I I hope it starts a revolution. I I'm so freaking excited. I can't wait to see what they do with it. I'm I'm looking forward to see because the the way that it's built to work is so simple. I'm waiting to see all of the hacks because Me too. Like the 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 fact that it's cardboard is just because that's the cheapest but most sort of durable thing that they can sell the pieces of this well, stuff as. I'm but I can't I can't wait for the MakerBot clan. I can't wait for the people yeah. to 3D print their own shit. Yeah, yeah. It. I mean, because theoretically, you could 3D print all the parts and have it forever. And it would work. Yeah, and it would work the same way. It's. Uh, it's going to be something. I just hope they embrace the hackers the way that Lego did. Like Legos, when they came out with the Mindstorms, the whole thing was, "I'm. We're going to start a community day one for the people that hack our shit." Yeah. You know, we want you, and it. I. I think if they embrace that with this, I. I think it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be fun. I I feel like it's if not like the the thing that'll last out of them, but it's certainly like an early version of something that I can see becoming just an ordinary part of plaything stuff. I agree. And it just see and it just seems cute. You know, it seems like this is they all, Nintendo not only always does the it's not just that they do the opposite of what everyone expects. They're always doing something that you never even knew to expect. You know, like, who would have thought, yeah, you know, the next thing they're going to do, they're going to make, uh, you know, cardboard uh, kids' toys that you can plug the machine into. It's it's genius. I, I really hope yeah, it works I'm, I'm for all them. about it. Uh, and it, it's yeah, like, so Japanese, yeah, right? Well, and it's, and it, yeah, <laughs> like, and, and the thing is, like, it's not for me at all. Like, I don't have any room for this stuff. I don't have kids. You know, I, uh, like, I'm, this is probably not something that I will get. You know, because it, it's not part of like my lifespan style, but I knew that you would love it. Oh, I am! I, I am all about it. <laughs> and I think that a lot of people will like it. And I think it's just you know what uh, this this is really cool. You know, I I have you know Mario Odyssey. They they made the game I wanted them to make. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I'm all good. Mar- Mario Odyssey is a goddamn. Um, it's just a masterpiece. It, it, it's it, indeed. It's just a wonderful game. I agree. Yeah. Oh man! I'm all about it. I gotta, mar- I gotta mark out some time to play that. Maybe I'll do that tomorrow. Maybe I will make tomorrow partially a Mario Odyssey day if I finish all I tr- my work. Tonight. I try to just sit down for a half an hour at the end every couple of days, and it, it's a big game. I think there's it 17 is. kingdoms. Yeah. I it th- 17. These games used to be eight levels and seem super long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm still in I'm still in New Donk City, and I'm mostly, you know, I, I think I need to go back to the water area and find the the boss that I didn't beat there, and uh, just get the thing done. New Donk City is is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, New Donk City is great. Oh, and there's man. downloadable content coming, so you'd better finish it. Is there? Yeah, there's there's DLC coming. Oh, I want. Yeah. Oh man! There's there's, al- there's there's already DLC coming for uh, the 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 Switch version of uh, Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I don't have that. <laughs> I got it on the, the Wii U because you know I'm old school. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I attempted to not buy any more video game systems. We saw how that worked out. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> oh, that's great. 
All right. Do we, do we want to call it a night? I think so. Um, do, yeah. do you have anything else? I think we actually managed to do just an hour. That's fantastic. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think uh, I'm all set. Again, we're in that weird point where there's not a lot of uh, big newsworthy stuff. Go- oh yeah, we don't have a government in the United States right now. Oh yeah, nothing um, nothing newsworthy at all. We just you know the government's off. Yeah, yeah, we turned off the government. We we didn't, Bob. Yeah, well, no, like the we 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 the United States turned turned off the government except for the part that uh, blows things up and kills people. Yeah, you know, we kept the important part, right? Yeah, that part still runs. Because we need that. I mean, right? Yeah. That's how yeah, that, that works? That, that still run. Yeah, that, that's still running. Like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure if I ran out in the street and, uh, you know, like held up a bank, you know, that part of the government is still running. Of course it is. I mean, yeah. But, so. but, but you know, Bob, with your complexion, you might just get away with it. Uh, maybe, maybe. Maybe that got yeah. relevant. So. Any, <laughs> anyway, um, all right. So, guys, uh, again, thank you very much. Um, as uh, I don't think I said at the beginning of this, um, the Chipman Brothers Tangent and other things I am creating are made possible by my Patreon, um, Patreon.com/slash/thechippa. That's T H E C H I P P A. Um, as I mm-hmm. noted in our last podcast. Um, my wife and I have another uh, small person coming in the coming months. So um, your money and help and support is always appreciated because it keeps me being able to do fun things like this instead of doing things that I don't enjoy as much to keep the family stable and afloat. And I'm just happy to share my musings and um, chit chat with my brother online. and You guys listen to it and everything else. So thank you again for all of that. Um, and with that, as always, I'm Chris, I am Bob, and thank you for coming along with us on the tangent. Cheers. Mm-hmm.